Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. You want to steal the Declaration of Independence? Why so serious? I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg. We got the Nolan Bros back for an actual Christopher Nolan episode. What's up, boys? What's up? Morning. So the three of us are finally getting back on the Nolan train. We started this entire podcast off with The Prestige, one of my favorite films of his. And then we covered Arcane, which all three of us like, so we figured why not cover it, even though it wasn't a Nolan movie. We're not limited to just Christopher Nolan movies. But now we are back on the Christopher Nolan train. We're going to be taking a look at Tenet. I want to say another one of my favorite movies, but I mean, it's it's almost any movie he makes is on my top 10 or so. They're all really good. And this one specifically, I want to put a spoiler warning ahead of. We don't usually put spoiler warnings at the beginning of our episodes just because we assume that you've probably seen it if you're listening to this episode. But for certain episodes, we want to put a spoiler warning because the the movie we're covering is specifically one that would be better viewed for the first time just watching it rather than through our eyes as we kind of you kind of piece together like how does this movie make sense as we're telling you about it. You can do that if you so choose, but I would highly encourage you to go watch this movie before you, listening to this podcast. Also, if you have not listened to our episode zero yet and you're new to the podcast, welcome. I thank you so much for listening, but I would encourage you that if you haven't listened to episode zero yet, go back and listen to that. I explain where I'm coming from as I watch movies and some kind of some theology on movies. I haven't really pushed that a lot recently. So if you're new and you haven't listened to that, go listen to that, watch Tenet, and then come back here. And then we'll, we'll keep talking about Tenet here. But Nolan bros, what do you think of Tenet? Josh, I showed you Tenet about a year ago and Will just watched it last night. And so we, we are, again, coming at it from different perspectives. I want to hear what you guys think of it. Well, I just want to say thank you, Seth, for giving me a mind boggle for probably about a week. I showed my parents <laughs> the movie afterwards, and they went to bed that night just confused. Loved that. And then they're like, hey, Josh, how's this work? How's this work? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I looked it all up, watched a ton of YouTube videos. I haven't done research for movies like I did for Tenet. And it's... It's super cool to have just some sort of story that you've got to like dig into it for it to fully start to make sense. And that was fun. I basically echo that because I'm still kind of off the tenet high, so to speak. I mean, Seth, you mentioned it. I watched it last night. But yeah, it was pretty good. It was a, a nice long movie. And it took me a while to like, still wrap my head around what exactly was going on. But I really enjoyed it. It's visually stunning and it's like the, the concepts are really cool it's just that it's like got some very strange concepts that are a little hard to wrap your head around but i really enjoyed it especially because i'm kind of a, a sci-fi nerd in some ways and, and some of those concepts that he tries to talk about and display in the film are really interesting and i can sort of like piece together a little bit of what it means so i really enjoyed it yeah nolan really likes to break your mind and push the limits he's he's like what can i get away with in this next movie of mine and obviously Oppenheimer is coming out this summer where he actually dropped an atomic bomb for the film like he just he knows that he is in a position where he can do whatever he wants and as long as a movie studio will give him a blank check he will like make a return on that and make a movie that will bring that studio a lot of money this movie specifically had an interesting marketing i would say it was released in the fall of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and i remember going to see it in theaters i don't remember if i saw it opening weekend but i went to see it in theaters in the middle of the crazy time we were living in and i loved it 
I think I saw I think I saw it three times in one week because I had to bring my friends to see it as well. But the the marketing of it is was really interesting because he insisted on it just being released at its normal release time when most movie studios push their release dates months into the future. And it I think it did wonders for the movie. It made a lot of money, even though I think it was mostly because it, it took away the choice. You didn't have much choice in what you wanted to go see in the theater. And even just having the theater as an option, and even if it was the only movie, people went and saw it just because the theater was open. I, I think he used that to his advantage because he knew that people would still want to go see it, but also he used his credibility and his popularity to to bring people into the movie as well. And something interesting that if you've watched it, you understand what I'm talking about. The movie itself is a temporal pincer movement. And that's the beauty of Nolan's films. They're very meta in how they relate to like our world and how we're watching them. And so the movie explains what a temporal pincer movement is. It's moving backwards in time while knowing information from the future. That's the that's the whole point of the movie. But it is also a meta reference to how you watch the movie. Obviously, the second time I watched the movie, I knew what the, the twist was. Same as in The Prestige, where I watched it and I then saw it through a different lens. And this one, it makes so much more sense the more you watch it. I think I've probably watched it eight times and I still like have new revelations about it. Like, whoa, that's cool. That also, that doesn't work. But also, (laughs) so the last time I watched it, I watched it with my roommate who just graduated with a physics degree. And we spent about an hour after the movie trying to figure out how inverted objects worked. Like if you throw it when you're inverted, are you catching it or all that stuff? It was so fun to to work with friends and try and figure out the logic behind this crazy movie. And and yet the, the, the same time, the more you watch it, like I said, the more problems arise. So I'm sorry if I ruin it here for you, but when you watch the movie and you realize that inverted bullets have always been there in the past, that means that somehow... The bullets were there for eternity past or whenever that rock was created or that cement was poured or whatever. It, it doesn't work. And the point of this movie is not to make a movie that makes sense. Does that even need to be said? But it's more to show how a paradox would work in a real life. So Nolan had this idea for time inversion and how would that work would, with two teams working together to inform the other team as they're crossing paths or whatever. And he just wanted to show that in a movie. And I give him credit for that. But it's it's not it's like he had that concept and then he wrote a story around it and that story doesn't always make sense. Like the, it, It's a paradox for a reason. It doesn't make sense. It can't make sense. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit more specifics in a little bit. But you just have to comprehend that this could never happen because it's a paradox that is supposed to break your mind. Yeah, a paradox so good that also the main character doesn't even get the name. <laughs> but that that's the first thing that caught my eye real quick. Like, hang on, what's the guy's name? He, he couldn't I, even be I bothered. Think of it. He couldn't even yeah. be bothered to be to name the character. <laughs> yeah, just protagonist, I guess. But that even plays into his character. Like he's supposed it, to be. It does. The he's supposed to be the the mysterious character who doesn't have a past, who doesn't have even a name, who cares about his name when that's not the point. So yes, it's a little annoying, but it it makes sense, kind of. Yeah, but also you said that he didn't have a past, which in this case isn't entirely true because his (laughs) past is actually the reason his future became his past. (laughs) Yeah. You follow me? Yeah, for sure. And even John David Washington as the protagonist. He's one of those actors who doesn't have a past, at least that big of a past in Hollywood. He doesn't have any baggage from Hollywood. Like I'm, I'm referencing a, a video I saw from a guy named Ben who edits Mr. Sunday Movies 
podcasts and videos. And both of those channels are really fun. They're very analytical and just entertaining. So I'm going to link those down in the description. But the video that he, where he talks about Tenet, he talks about when you watch a, a Chris Evans movie and you can't not see him as Captain America. Just because that's it's his main role, it's what he's most known for. But then you can't really imagine him in any other role, and he's just Captain America. Whereas John David Washington hasn't had a role like that. I think this is his role that he's kind of no, he's going to be known for for a while. But even to us, he's a fresh-faced protagonist as as he is to the people in the movie. Yeah, it it's definitely nice to have just a face that isn't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Honestly, because you think of a lot of big actors that are just being thrown in there because they're running out of actors in Hollywood to try and fill the movies, right? (laughs) Sure. But for specifically Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Hemsworth, this might be a problem because especially for movies like Knives Out, it was kind of hard to think of Chris Evans not pulling out a shield randomly throughout the movie to deflect the bullet or (laughs) something. Or something. It, It was... Yeah, or something. A whole lot of or something. But it's it's nice to just have a new actor. Another thing that Ben brings up in his video is that Tenet is a different kind of fun. It's a different kind of fun than Inception, which is a different kind of fun than a Marvel movie, which is a different kind of fun than a mystery movie like Knives Out. There is no cookie cutter style for a movie to be enjoyable. It all depends on how it's made. And to a degree, there's even there's something that every movie has that is enjoyable about it even if it's a really bad movie like the the generally regarded worst movie of all time is birdemic which is a terribly made movie and is just kind of laughed upon but even has a, a following because of how bad it is it's still enjoyable to watch even though it's bad or not bad but poorly made so you can find something to enjoy about a movie if you so choose but it's different and you don't look for the same themes in every movie it's it's it should be unique if it's a good movie will we haven't let you talk for a while what are, you, what are your thoughts oh thanks i was waiting for that just in regards like john david yeah he's a new character or he's a new face and that gives him some credence in the film but also he does a really good job as the actor because i really even though we he's kind of the mysterious character and we don't know much about the protagonist just his whole character is really fun and i like i loved his portrayal of him he does a really good job of playing this operative slash cia spy slash person who's just trying to figure out what's going on and also the action hero type of person who can pull off these crazy moves and stunts and is fighting like tons of russian goons or whatever and is beating them up and he just looks super stylish and cool while doing it he's kind of like a a a james bond type of figure almost and i really like that that's exactly what i was gonna say just because nolan has created his own take on batman i think this was his attempt to make his own take on james bond and yes it has an insane twist that you wouldn't find in a james bond movie but it's that dapper protagonist who's ladies man and just ready quick-witted and all that so he's smart and quick thinking in tight situations this is his attempt at making not specifically a Bond remake, because he couldn't, obviously, legal stuff, but creating an original story with the concept of Bond, of that well-to-do spy who's professional and also smart and quick-witted and all that. I want to talk more about the concept of the movie and something that I heard in a video essay, surprise, by Cinema Sticks, is Tenet is a film committed to secrecy. You are not supposed to know, at least for the first time, what's going on. That's the beauty of it. And even Priya says at one point, ignorance is our ammunition. That's what she says to the protagonist. And at least for the first time, like I said, you're not supposed to know what's going on. You're supposed to be confused. It's like, there's so many times in the movie where they're like, don't try and understand it and all that. Eventually you start to figure it out. You start to figure out how this is supposed to work. And eventually 
you they use that to their advantage, especially when the protagonist eventually creates the organization of Tenet and this whole loop of time inversion and everything where he creates Tenet in the future, but Neil has been working for Tenet for all these years. For example, when Neil first meets first meets the protagonist, it is actually his last time meeting the protagonist. And he is supposed to keep the protagonist in the dark because he knows that if he lets on too much, one, the protagonist is going to be suspicious of him, but also he's going to break the 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 disguise of not everything is supposed to be known right now. You will figure it out eventually because you will go on to found Tenet, but I can't tell you that right now. Right now, I'm just your informant. So this film is built around secrecy and needs to not tell you everything, even though you want to know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a movie of half-truths and not knowing the truth in general, which makes it even more compelling because, you know, as the audience, we're kind of going along the ride with the protagonist because, like, he's still kind of figuring out, okay, there's an organization of Tenet. Well, what's that mean? Okay, there's these bullets that go backwards in time. Okay, there's this Russian oligarch who's trying to do something bad. Okay, and just keeps on going and going and going. And so we follow him and his journey is kind of our own because we have like no idea what's going on. We just know weird time wobbly wobbly stuff and evil bad guys doing something. And there's this lady and she's got a painting and we're, wait, we're in an airplane now? What's going on? And so it's, it really matches up really well. I really like that because it's built on mystery and that really makes it even more compelling. One of the things that I also think is just super fun is just how much fun it is to watch it again. And I found that when I was watching it for the second time, a few days later after you had showed it to me, Seth, is when I was watching it with my parents, I wasn't watching the screen. I was watching their faces just to try and see that thing click. Like, oh my goodness, they're in the background right there in in the airplane scene. They're here. <laughs> they're actually going backwards. That person's here. And I'm waiting for them to see. But then again, my parents are just super confused the whole time. So I end up rewinding and you're like, hey, hey, you didn't have enough of a reaction. This is what happened. And then they go, oh, okay. But I can say that I think it was the third time that I watched it that I was able to enjoy it the most. I think I've seen it five times now, but the third time was my favorite because I had got the gotten the initial confusion out of the way. I watched my parents watch it. I didn't actually watch it the second time. And then the third time I had a few video essays of the movie down and it was just so much more enjoyable because I'm oh oh this is here this is here. and I feel like I'm putting together a puzzle and that's what Nolan made he made a puzzle he wanted the viewers to put it together and it was so much fun to actually put it together and he did that also with his movie Memento I don't you guys probably haven't seen that yet but it's an incredible movie in how it tells its story we'll cover that eventually but it, he gives you the pieces of the puzzle and you don't even realize it. like sometimes you just look at your piece and you're like what does this have to do with anything and then you're like oh i figured it out and he loves to do that he loves to play with how you're not always given things laterally in the story especially with memento like if for those of you who have seen it you know what i'm talking about it's not given to you directly like most movies are so your expectations are subverted on top of that this is more than just a difficult movie to comprehend it's a difficult movie to understand and josh will attest to that the first time we watched it it was it's yeah. so hard to understand what the characters are saying it is it probably had all the odds stacked against them they had a bunch of foreign actors so they have accents thick accents half the time they have oxygen masks on because they're inverted and the, the rest of the time this amazing score by ludwig jornsson is playing in full blast and you cannot understand what they're saying and i think that's the one thing that goes against this movie is 
the loud score, the frustration to figure out what they're saying. And yet I would encourage people to watch it for the first time without the subtitles, just because it's more of a pure watch through. And then the second time, not only do you have the twist in your head, but you can also turn on subtitles and then be like, oh, that's what they're saying. That makes more sense. But it is a little disappointing that they chose to score it like that. Yeah, I just watched the Screen Rant view of this, and that's like one of the jokes they make at the movies because, yeah, it does have a really good score, which a lot of Nolan movies do. But, you know, there are some occasions where it kind of gets in the way, and I was watching it, and I was just like, okay, no idea what's going on. Subtitles. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I did use subtitles. Baby. I was not pure. Can we talk about a few of the, like, key mind bending scenes? Sure. What are, your, what, are your some, what are some of your favorites? So I think my first scene that I think was really like the, okay, I think I'm starting to get this time thing down a little bit, was at the airport. Not the first time, the second time. I was going to say, yeah. Because the first time you're there, you're like, okay, you're just chasing these random dudes. You're not chasing them anymore. Okay, cool. What was that about? Christopher Nolan likes to do that where he gives you this oh this doesn't seem very important and then he makes it very important Mm -hmm, later mm -hmm. on after that second time you get there it's like wait hang on (laughs) I know this day I know this place and you put together what's going to happen in that scene before the scene even happens and for a brief like I think 10-15 minutes of the movie it is predictable for the first time (laughs) Hey, I gotta ask you, when did you figure out that he was the guy he was fighting, but backwards? So again, Seth and I, we watched it a year ago, right? So I'm having a a bit of a hard time remembering exactly when I was able to piece it together, but it was definitely an aha moment. I think it was when they started talking about where they needed to find one of those timey-wimey things. That's uh, (laughs) that's that's Dr. Time style, yeah. Yeah, the time style. And they said, oh, well, a week ago, there's one here. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. That one thing that I thought wasn't important, <laughs> maybe this is important now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of proud of when I was able to put it together because the next 15 minutes, I was like, all right, I know it. I know what's going on. And then I didn't know what was going on like two minutes after that scene was done. Yeah. For me, I'm embarrassed yeah. to say that it took me until he like blew under the garage door. And that's when I realized that was like, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed just because I didn't see it coming, but it's still cool to in that moment be like, Whoa, that's where we're going with this. Will, when did you realize that? Pretty much when he said that we're going back and. Okay. So I'm the uh, stupid one (laughs) (laughs) who didn't get it right away. Like, you know, we're going to go, where are we going to go? And they said like the airplane or whatever. I was like, okay. So he's, it didn't surprise me too much when he did it. Like when I watched the film, I was like, Hmm, Hmm, Nolan, Hmm, what are you playing here? So yeah, it's. I was still surprised a lot of parts of it, but it did, like, yeah, I, I think I picked it up pretty quickly. That scene was very interesting because, like, you see it, like, you see it in both directions. You see him first, like, fight this random person who comes out and starts shooting at him randomly and then do this weird backwards fight, which I gotta say, the fight scenes, when they do the inversions, super cool because I don't know how they filmed that, but it's so strange to watch because you have two people who are technically the same person two different points in time or actually in reverse time we both see them from their perspective so from their perspective it seems like they're going forward but they're 
not because they're going opposite and it's really really cool and i really loved how they did that fight scene because it's just weird yeah so they so they had obviously visual effects help but no one likes to do it for real so he had them learn as best as possible to try and fight backwards not like they they didn't actually fight backwards but they did a fight they reversed it and then they tried to mimic that backwards so they did do a little bit of reverse but you can't do things like backwards flips so they did their best practically and then cleaned it up with visual effects. But also, I find it interesting that we watched the entire fight scene punch for punch, again, but backwards. We don't like, oh, this is the scene, and then we skip because you could do that to say, oh, this is a fight scene, and then we skip some time so you don't have to watch again. No, we watch it again to see like this inverted protagonist, what his like how he fought. And there's enough extreme poses in their fights for you to remember certain moves. So they, they have where he jumps off the wall and like body slams the forward protagonist and then the time when he was like wiggling weird on the ground to try and get the gun so there that's what i mean by like there's extreme poses that click in your mind like i've seen that before even though i've only seen it once i've seen it before and so you know you're going backwards and yet when we're with the inverted protagonist we're following him rather than following time this is a this is a whole way like if you want to follow a person that is probably the easiest way I don't know if there's an easiest way to figure out how this whole thing works. Or you can look at time, which I have in a, a diagram linked below in the, in the description of the timeline outside of like character's view. But if you want to go look at that, check that out. But then you see as soon as he goes into the time style, he doesn't disappear like it seems like he does. Or go into thin air or whatever. He's, at, he's reversing time and so then he's going forward in time and then fighting Neil as he's running away. And then that's the, when the reveal that Neil knew who... The protagonist was the whole time so just so much happening in that scene I, I i love that one yeah i think my favorite scene is probably the ending because the, the battle scene they do the temporal time pincer because that is like the fight scene a little bit but the extreme and i just love how there's this combination of military tactics combined with reverse chronology and how like watching these guys fight it makes sense why they do what they would do and how exactly you have two teams going in technically at the quote-unquote same time but one of them's in reverse one of them's not and they're both kind of feeding back off each other and helping each other out and just that whole fight scene of like you know a bridge that is being exploded from one person's perspective but another bridge that's collapsing from another person's perspective at the same time at the same it's it gets so weird but it i really love that just the visual effects and how they did that entire battle scene it was crazy it was a tower by the way but yeah that that when i that was the moment that i literally mind blown when the tower exploded both at the top and the bottom that is still like even now knowing how visual effects works that's very difficult to simulate how do you how do you simulate half of a building blowing up first and then the other half and then reacting with each other is it's a whole thing but on that note to understand this movie you this is this is what really helped me to understand this movie, you need to understand that there's no such thing in this universe as free will. And not, not this universe, their universe, as free will. The universe that Tenet takes place in, every character has to do what they've been programmed or scripted to do for all of time. They cannot choose something different. It just won't happen. And that's hard to wrap our mind around, but it's a it almost makes me grateful for having free will. And it, it's a little more evident in Tenet where characters are looping and meeting themselves and encountering the exact same thing. But honestly, I, they even have a conversation about this in the movie. Why couldn't we just do something different? And it they can't. It, they're stuck in a loop 
of constantly doing the exact same thing no matter what. And that's a little, that's not the best way to describe it, but in order for red team to execute their 10 minute window, blue team has to do exactly the same thing that they that they had to do. But then blue team ends up at the beginning of the battle, tells red team what's gonna happen, and then red team goes in and executes the battle, but then blue team on the other end then has to go back and do the exact same, like they have to do the same thing every time. And so there is no free will for them to choose, okay, now I'm going to go over here. No, you have to be back at the helicopter in 10 minutes or you're not like, that's not just a command that you need to, because that's the laws of this universe. And I don't really, I'm not going to get into free will and predestination or determinism or anything like that, but we do have free will. The gist of it, to the extent of our everyday decisions, we choose what we're going to do and we get to, we get that free will and we were created with the choice to choose. It's such a fantastical concept to wrap your head around this this looping of, of a paradox, but it's a cool paradox. It's one of those paradoxes you like enjoy to think about, you know. I was just trying to think about that whole red team going in, blue team, this that whole like ending scene is just I, I can't even find the word for it. That's how mind boggling it is. That's <laughs> the word for it. I just think it's so crazy how Nolan put that together with the whole time pincer movement because I mean if you think about it, the team that's getting there while the blue team is leaving, it that's that's so weird to me because that means in this world there's they have to be in front of the whole like ending fight scene in order for them to go backwards in it right so in this world the like the whole timeline is just like stretched out to where all of this has already happened but it's happening again and then these guys are going forward and that whole thing just blows my mind i don't know if you followed any of that because quite honestly i didn't i don't know which team to follow (laughs) like i said there i have some information down in the description for if you want some explanations but if you were a bystander and reading headlines about an opera siege and an explosion in Stalsk 12 and all these things it would happen kind of in within a week of each other but if you're following a character like the protagonist this temporal pincer movement that spans the whole movie takes like a month plus because you can't just time travel instantly that's Nolan's key here that's that's what he wants to get across is that in order to go back in time you have to experience that time if you want to go back a week you're going to wait a week and in that case there's a lot of protagonists all living at once going forwards and backwards because eventually the forwards one will meet the backwards one and disappear into the past for the bystander person if the bystander is just standing there he'll see two protagonists one inverted one not just disappear into the past the 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 bystander's past it's so weird to comprehend. Like for me, it's been two years since I first saw the movie, a little over, and I just come to accept it. It's just cool to think about, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, time stuff, you know. That's why they, they literally say, this is like part of the purpose of Tenet, is just don't try to understand it, because you really can't sometimes. Mm-hmm. You just kind of do your job, and it's all being orchestrated by the protagonist himself. Ultimately, this is just one giant chess move that's technically already happened and by the end of the film we just see that he's going to go to the end of it make sure it's done and stuff like that but let's kind of start talking about the the bigger antagonist though so we have the the villain sator i'm kind of curious about your thoughts before we start talking about him about the antagonist so to speak the people from the future who are trying to kill their past mm. quite literally and you know what we think about i think would do that and how smart that is and stuff like that and i'm curious for your thoughts on that part of it is just playing to the paradox 
the fact, and again, they address this, since they are alive in that moment, they they know that they succeed, the, the tenant organization. Just because they are alive, they understand that they have already won, and the people in the future do not get a hold of the algorithm and then reverse time infinitely so that it collapses in on itself. That is That is a big threat, but the concept, again, that it's a closed loop and nothing can change is helpful to know that they will, you know, not succeed. And yes, I understand the future people's mentality of needing to fix global warming and kind of punish the people in the past for the decisions we've made. But also, it's very drastic decision that maybe they never realized the consequences of. But uh, yes, it would be interesting to know their perspective on this whole thing. And especially the whole communicating with Sador through posterity and burying stuff and inverting it and all that. That, That's a cool concept too. I just, I think it's kind of cool how they made the enemy Sador, yes, but the, the real, real protagonist is just the future and how ominous that is. I think just the way that they went about doing it, because they made it seem like it's just some form of super advanced beings, which, yes, it's humans, but just so far into the future. But I think the communication that they had with Sador and just how his whole just what's backing him, I just think that's so cool. It's such a cool concept, and it's so creative, and it's just impressive that someone would be able to think of some sort of story concept just for just like that and that's just crazy to me i will say this is the thought i've had for a while since i watched the film but okay so their whole motivation is you know global warming our oceans are gone it's spoiled up we're all sad oh no if you have the technology to inverse time and scientists can create a physical mathematical formula i don't quite see how climate change is an issue if you have that (laughs) much technological power i really think that that's not that much of an issue i don't know it's it's a reason for you know for the villains but still it's just that that really i think for like tenet like if you really start thinking about it a lot it kind of does break down a little bit which is again kind of the point it's not entirely supposed to make sense but i just found that funny i also think it's just kind of crazy to think of what would happen if i had that kind of power not gonna lie if i had the if i was way in the future and someone created some time machine that would only send you starting going backwards in time not gonna lie i would eat so much food and then just (laughs) eat it again and then here's the thing here's the thing i wouldn't gain anything from it because i just uneat it and then eat it but not in an uneat it kind of way where i just throw it up or here here's a question here's a question i don't think that's how that works would you be able to play a video game for the first time again? No, because no, you still you have your memories. It. Remember, that's Dang. the whole point of a, a temporal pincer movement is you go back knowing something you didn't know before. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, think about I it this way. I just want that to be created. I mean, Josh, think about it this way. You, you couldn't necessarily even – you wouldn't necessarily even be able to eat something again, so to speak, because it's not like you're going back in time in a different body. It's – your same body is being transported in time. But if I put the burrito in there, and then it's an inverted burrito, right? And then <laughs> it would I, just come out. I eat the inverted burrito. They never. From your, go, they never. From your meant, perspective. They never. From your, from your perspective, shush. it would just come out. If they've 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 ne- they commented on inverted air and how you can't breathe inverted air but can you eat inverted food i think this is the most clever use of time travel just ever yeah like i think i think the avengers version of time travel i think that was pretty cool yeah uh, them kind of making their own world i liked 
Doctor Who's form of time travel. I don't know if you guys have seen Doctor Who, but is I his a parallel that, universe version. His is you like literally just go back to the time and it's in the same universe, the same world. You can interact with your same self, but if you interact with your same self, it's much like Back to the Future. You'll cause a paradox and then that's not a good thing. Back to the Future and I think Doctor Who are pretty similar, but I think this version of time travel where there is natural consequences to it, you can't just, I'm in 1930. You can't do that. I think that is such a cool way of doing it because there's still cause and effect there's still a trade-off because you're still aging you can't go back let's say i'm 60 years old you can't go back another 60 years old because or to when you were born because you'd have to be 120. you're still aging going backwards and those kind of like those questions that have like negatives to it i love those because it makes you think and nolan loves to do that yeah because i think that's the kind of the genius of this film is it's time travel because you're always traveling through time just your direction is different. And that's that's kind of what sets it apart from other type of time travel movies. You're always going forward through time. It's just in what direction you're going forward. I agree. You, you nailed it on the head. But there's a lot of different approaches to time travel. And I, there are pros and cons to both. Like this one literally has a con where you will, again, age yourself. You understand that you will continue to grow older even though you're traveling backwards. So there's a consequence to that. I also, Josh, I also like the Infinity War endgame time travel explanation too, where you, where branch timelines are created. And that plays into the Marvel story, especially now with the multiverse saga. But then there's also the one, the, the time travels, where you can interact with yourself and change the past or just interact with yourself and nothing happens. Like there's those those stories as well. But it's it, it's crazy to see Tenet take a, another different approach. Like before Endgame and before Tenet, those concepts really hadn't been touched of a multiverse or a branch timeline or time inversion they just hadn't been touched and i appreciate that nolan did this i think one thing i would like to mention again and i think we mentioned this as well with our prestige episode and i'm sure it's going to be the case for the rest of nolan's movies as we go through them but this movie is rewatchable very rewatchable <laughs> and i think that's really one of the great strengths of nolan is that his movies are so good in regards to storytelling and visuals but really in concepts and what they make you think about that you're like huh what about this what about this did i miss this and you want to watch it again to see if you can pick out the details and understand even more that's definitely the case for tenants i mean it's two hours and 30 minutes and there's so many details i'm like oh but what about that oh but i missed this oh but i missed that and so it naturally draws you to want to watch it again that's i think as we've mentioned before a really that's a hallmark of a really good film he makes you rewatch it again. Like, there's not even an option to just watch it once. You need to watch it a couple times to actually enjoy it. And like Josh said, the third time was his favorite. I think the third time is probably averages out to everyone's favorite. First time, you're, you're consuming it normally. Second time, you're starting to put pieces together. And then the third time, after you've figured everything out, you can actually enjoy it and be wowed yet again at this incredible movie. And he, yeah, like we said before, if a movie is able to be rewatched and enjoyed just as much as the first time, it's a good movie. But this movie, like I said, you need to rewatch it to actually enjoy it. Yeah, I... I definitely think that there's also a sense of pride in watching it and understanding it because you watch it the first time and you're like, this just doesn't make sense. And once you start to piece it out, you're like, oh my goodness, I figured this out. For the second time I watched it, a lot of, a lot more stuff made sense. Not because I watched any videos, but because the first time I watched through it, I thought about it that night and I'm like, wait, did this <laughs> and this, and then this goes here, this goes there. And then the second time I watched it with my parents, it was much more enjoyable 
because I had pieced it together. And then I got some help first from some video essays a little bit later. And the third time I watched it again was my favorite, I think. But just for my, for some reason, it reminded me of Shakespeare. You know how difficult it is to read Shakespeare. You're not going <laughs> to fully understand it at first, but then you keep reading. You start getting used to the language and the way that the authors are trying to tell the story. You get used to that. And there's almost just a sense of pride in being able to understand it because of how complex it is. It's, it's, it's mind candy. Very true. One last comment about the protagonist. Something that... Ben from Canada, the, the YouTuber with the video essay that I linked below. He talks about how quite, I mean, he says it, John David Washington is black and that's it. He's not black because he's a native African. He's not black because he's there to push white supremacy and the political agenda. He's just an actor who happens to be black. And even me bringing up this point is counterintuitive because I shouldn't be, I shouldn't care. And I don't, I don't care. It's cool to just have an actor get a role because he's good at it in this world where so often somebody gets a role because they are a certain race or a certain gender or have a certain narrative they they gave john david washington this role because he was adequate and played the role and the character didn't need that i remember in film class they said that when making a audition sheet and your character descriptions should never include race or gender unless it's part of the story. And I would want to see that in a real movie, like if they actually said, hey, we need this type of person for this character because we need to push this agenda. They don't use that terminology, but they look for specific actors who can do that. Whereas a good movie where that isn't the pivotal role or at least plays into the plot a little bit, it's just, they're just actors. They're they can contribute to the story. And a lot of times, at least for gender, you do need specifics because gender is very specific for the roles that and how you write a character. But even for race, like if you need, if you're making a movie about the Civil War and you need a certain person to be an African-American to play that character, then you're going to put that on your sheet, on your cast list of auditions. So because you need that role to be filled. And we're going to talk about this in greater depth next week's episode. Usually I save the uh, next week on the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I save that for Discord, but you guys get an exclusive sneak peek right now where where we're going to be talking about forced diversity and how that's just not working out for Hollywood. So expect more on that in next week's episode. Stay tuned for that coming out next Friday. But also on that note, join our Discord so that you can get next week's episode every single week and prepare for it if you so choose. We also have Instagram where we post updates on when things go live and also keep it fun over there with some memes and some reels every once in a while. Also short form content, which you can also find on TikTok and YouTube and YouTube where you can subscribe and get the same episodes that you get on Spotify only in video form if that's what you want. Hi to all our YouTube viewers. Thank you so much for watching on on that platform. Continue to share this with your friends. We're ever growing and we love to see the numbers go up. So we thank you all for that so much. Give us a high rating, thumbs up, five stars, whatever the platform has. And we hope you have a great day. We love you all. Peace out. Peace out, brethren. See you later. Alligator. Alligator.